Good morning and welcome to the Be Unconventional podcast. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, and I'm here to help you win this week. So let's dive right in. Good morning and happy, happy Monday to all of you. This week actually felt like it went by extremely fast. Um, It feels like yesterday that I was just talking to y'all. But today I have for you season three, episode three. And I am continuing my series on prayer, praise, and worship today. Now, I think it's important for us to learn and meditate on the word of God in regards to the nature, character, love, and grace of God and how we are to apply that truth to our lives. We have to renew our minds to the truth of who God is, how he is, how he loves, how he forgives. And then we also have to renew our minds to the truth of who we are in him, how he is towards us and how much he loves us and how he's already forgiven us. And when we do this, our prayer, praise and worship will go to another level. Now, we learned last week that prayer isn't just a religious act and something we check off of our to do list. Rather, prayer is our communication and communion with our Heavenly Father. And communication and communion have very similar meaning, but they're not the same in essence. For instance, the definition of communication is the imparting or exchanging of information or news, means of sending or receiving information, such as lines or computers, in our case, prayer. Communion, on the other hand, is not just, you know, crackers and juice. Okay, it's the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the change is on a mental or spiritual level. And in our case, it's on a spiritual level. Right. And we also learn that there's a right and wrong way to pray. A lot of us, (laughs) we use prayer to get God to do something or even to appear righteous before others. We use elaborate speech. We even change our voice. Um, And the Lord said, (laughs) you know, all that. I mean, some of y'all probably don't do that. But I do think a lot of us get a little King Jamesy when we pray. And uh, Jesus does mention in the Bible that when we pray, we shouldn't be like the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they can be seen of men. Um, And a lot of times when we're praying, that's Matthew 6, 5. But a lot of times when we're praying, uh, especially corporate prayer, I mean, I've seen some things, I've heard some things and I'm just like, are we praying like or are we like talking to the devil? You know what I'm saying? I call a lot of people spend a whole lot of time. I bind this. I bind that. Satan, the Lord God rebuke you. And I'm just like, I thought we were opening up the service with prayer. This is more like sound like an exorcism or something. But, um, but no, seriously though, like hypocrites love to pray too. We just have to be careful as people of God, you know, how we're praying and what we're saying. That scripture goes on to say in Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think, that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And I know a lot 
I know a lot of people who do that. And I used to do that. I didn't know any better, you know, so I'm not judging. Um, the NLT version of Matthew uh, 6, 5 through 7 says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly, publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth that this is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. <sighs> I mean, I'm pretty sure just listening to this, y'all can think of a million people that you would rather not hear pray. And let me just say this. If you'd rather not hear him, God might be shaking his head too. <laughs> just saying. But no, seriously. Okay. We, um, we really can't look at prayer as just an opportunity to petition God. Okay. We have to use that time of communication and communion with him, not just to ask and receive, which is biblical and has its place, but we can also use that time to edify ourselves. Now I'm going to touch on something that is taboo for a lot of Christians. It's something that many of us cannot even agree on. And I'm telling you right now, you might love me. You might think the world of me. But after what I'm about to say, if you feel like you don't agree with me, if you feel like it's not, you know, it's too controversial to talk about, email me. If you have my number, call me, text me. Let's talk about it. Let's actually go through the word and talk about it. But I have to talk about, if I want to talk about prayer, praise and worship, I have to talk about speaking in tongues. I just have to. Okay. So I hope that you listen with an open heart to hear what I have to say about it. If it's new to you, if it is confusing to you, I really hope I'm helping somebody today. And like I said, if, if it's too much for you, please email me, call me, text me. Let's just talk about it. But according to first Corinthians 14, four, Romans 8, 26 and Jude 20 verses 20 and 21. I want to take a look at these because we do in prayer have an opportunity to edify ourselves, to build ourselves up. First Corinthians uh, 14, four in the Passion Translation says the one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. While the one who prophesies builds up the church. Okay. I'm going to read that again. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. Romans 8, 26, also in the Passion Translation. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. And then Jude verses 20 and 21 says, but you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. You'll hear people say pray in the Holy Ghost. 
or pray in the spirit that, you know, pray in tongues. That's um, that's what it's talking about. The rest of that scripture says, fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life. All three of these scriptures are referring to praying in tongues or praying in the spirit. And like I said, I know this is taboo for some Christians because there are so many denominations teaching different things about this gift. And there's absolutely nothing spooky, crazy, or out of order about speaking in tongues. It did not die with the apostles. And there is absolutely benefit to praying in the spirit, as you read in the scriptures that I just shared with you. It edifies us or instructs or improves us. It builds us up. And according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, speaking in tongues is speaking to God and speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit, making it clear that tongues, the tongues that Paul is referring to are not necessarily known uh, languages, but spirit inspired utterances. And speaking in tongues is for you. It is as a devotional prayer language. You speak supernaturally to God. You speak mysteries. You receive rest and refreshing. It's worship for you. You can worship in tongues. Um, we sing in the spirit all the time. It's actually something that I probably do every day. Um, I speak in tongues every day and I sing every day. And so I sing in tongues every day. <laughs> it's, it's just part of my Christian lifestyle. Um, you edify yourself. You give thanks well. First Corinthians fourteen seventeen says you are giving thanks well in a way that is glorifying God. But the other person is not edified and spiritually strengthened since he cannot join in your thanksgiving. So you give thanks well when you are praying in the spirit. Um, and I'll do a deeper study on speaking in tongues one of these days. I just wanted to share some things with you about it in terms of how to pray. It's a better way to pray. A lot of times we just, we do get repetitious in our prayers because we really don't know what to say. And sometimes it's just, you're not, you yourself are not actually going to be saying anything, but Holy Spirit knows what you need to be praying for. Holy Spirit knows what you need. And so when when he in you is praying through you, it is always a perfect prayer. So I just want to share some things about some truths rather about speaking in tongues that may free some of you to being open to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. OK, so number one, you do not have to speak in tongues to be saved. Salvation is by believing on the Lord Jesus and believing that through his death, burial and resurrection, that your sins past, present and future are forgiven. If you believe this um, in your heart and confess this with your mouth, you're saved. Right. OK. Number two, you do not have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. It is not mandatory for any believer to speak in tongues. However. The free gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to all those who believe. Lastly, you can receive the gift of speaking in tongues by faith the same way you receive salvation. Y'all already know I do 
a prayer of salvation at the end of every episode for those who may be listening who haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And by faith, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead and you're saved by faith. Okay. By grace through faith rather. So if you have a prayer language or if you speak in tongues, you should pray in tongues frequently. Praying in tongues is always praying the perfect prayer. And the whole point I'm trying to make is that we shouldn't be making prayer just about asking and receiving. But like Jude said, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. Now, we also discussed last week that God is not mad at you. He loves you. So it's important to also be mindful not to fall into self-condemnation if you forget to pray or if you don't spend 30 minutes or three hours in prayer. It's cool, you know, to set aside time for God, time with God, but there is no rule saying that you always have to be in a certain place at a certain time. We can get really, really religious when it comes to prayer. Um, You know, I have to um, be at my desk. Um, I have to have this worship music on and I have to do this at nine o'clock because he can only meet me here at nine o'clock. No, 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 no. He is literally living on the inside of you. He is with you everywhere you go. You can talk to God all throughout the day. And we need to learn how to spend time with God throughout our day while we're um, taking care of our responsibilities. And I know Jesus went away to pray. The Bible talks about that. I go away to pray. You know, I can't just be all within my husband's face all the time and extra clingy and, you know, demanding his attention. Like, no, I, I still got to give God some attention. And I believe God wants to show me attention. So, uh, yeah, I go away to pray as well. I devote the first few hours of my mornings to spending uninterrupted and undistracted time with God. But my communion and communication with him doesn't stop after that. And we can pray while we're washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, exercising, cooking, raising your children. All day long, you and God can be sending and receiving information to one another. And before you know it, you ain't thought of a second about your issues or problems, right? So prayer, our communion, our communication with the Lord, something we can do all day in your natural native tongue and in your heavenly tongue. You can do that all day long. Now, speaking of problems and issues, we also have to be careful when we're in prayer not to complain all the doggone time to God. So we and remember, our words matter, even in prayer. I talked about last week how we should pray in context, you know, with the scripture. But then I'm today I'm going to talk about, you know, life and death being in the power of your tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Okay. So, for instance, remember when I told you all last week how I prayed for my husband that one time Uh, For those of you who haven't listened to last week's episode, I said that I noticed my husband needed to surrender a certain thought and behavior to the Lord. 
Okay. Instead of preaching to him, I went to God. And when I went to God, I thanked him for my husband, what he was doing for, in, with, and through my husband. And then I made my petition to God. Um, I spoke life over my husband, but I wanted the Lord to work on my husband's heart about the way he was seeing himself in a certain area. And so I spoke what I wanted to see by faith and that's life giving. But sometimes what we call prayer is a whole bunch of complaining or telling God how big your problems are. Now I've heard preachers say this several times, you know, don't spend time telling God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. And that's true. That is so true. We say things like, God, I can't take this anymore. The people on my job are coming against me, lying on me and trying to get me fired. And God, my kids are just being rebellious and turning their backs on you. I just don't know what to do. And Lord Jesus, this husband that you gave me, he don't listen to me. He don't pay attention to me. He gets on my nerves. Like, who wants to hear that? No, that's not prayer. That's complaining. (laughs) And those words are not life-giving. Those those things could actually be going on in your life. Yes. Uh, But we shouldn't respond to our problems and issues in our flesh. Another way to pray about those things <laughs> is something like, um, you know, Lord, I ask you to bless the people on my job. I pray, Lord, that the scales fall off their eyes and that they will see me the way you see me and help me, God, to see my enemies the way you see them. I pray that while my children are rebellious, that they come to themselves and begin to see who they are in you. God, I pray for laborers to cross their paths, to water seeds of faith that I have sown into them. I release my children to you, Lord, because they belong to you first and you love them more than I do. And God, thank you for my husband. Thank you for showing him how to love me and how to listen to me. See, that is a different way to pray. Versus the complaining. You see the difference there? We cannot be so self-centered in our prayers. Self-centeredness is the root to pride. And pride keeps us focused on ourselves. So if we can't pray in pride, we can't praise in pride, and we can't worship in pride. None of that's going to be effective if we're prideful. Now, let's talk about pride when it comes to praise. As I said last week, prayer and praise go hand in hand. But when we're prideful, we limit the grace of God in our lives. It's not that grace is not extended to us, but we limit it with our pride. And the reason I say that <laughs> is because the Bible tells us in several places how he gives grace to the to the humble. I say humble. People mess with me because I say humble and not humble. But y'all know what I'm talking about. So Proverbs 3, 34, uh, the Amplified Version. Though he scoffs at the scoffers and scorns at the scorners, yet he gives his grace, his undeserved favor, to the humble, those who give up self-importance. 
James 4, 6, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but he continually pours out grace when you are humble. That's the Passion Translation. I love that translation, especially on that scripture. I'm gonna read that again. James 4, 6, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, the scripture says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, uh, and this is the, um, I think this is a King James, I mean, uh, passion translation too. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Verse seven, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. The new King James version is probably my favorite for this verse. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. How? By casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. And my pastor always says, if casting your care is humility, then carrying your care is pride. Oh, I know. I know. I'll say it again. It stung a little bit. This time it's going to be a little healing for you. If casting your care is humility, then carrying your care is pride. And I'm saying The only time we need to be carrying care is when we're carrying it to Jesus. Because again, pride can't pray, praise and worship effectively. And pride keeps us self-conscious and it also keeps us sin conscious. And we've already talked about how the sin issue was the issue with sin that God had, you know, was done away with through Jesus. And God is, when we're a believer, he's seeing us. He's seeing his son in us. Um, he put poured all his wrath out on Jesus. Jesus became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So when we're self-conscious, nine times out of 10, we're overly sin conscious too. And when we pray, praise and worship, we have to be Christ conscious. And that's bold. That's bold when you've done something wrong to turn around, pray, praise and worship and only think about Christ. Like that's bold. You know what I'm saying? But the Bible says in Hebrews four, verse six, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace um, to help in the time of need. So when we take these, these scriptures about, humbling ourselves, casting our care. And then we take the one in Hebrews about coming to him boldly. What that shows me is that the humble are bold. Humble people are not these shy, timid, introverted people walking around, you know, worried about how they're going to look and sound and all this kind of stuff. That's actually pride too, because it's self-centered, right? So, but boldness doesn't necessarily mean arrogant, cocky, or conceited. Humble people are bold. Why is that, Rakita? Well, to me, I believe because it's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that God isn't holding our sin against us. So when we're, when we do wrong, instead of running away from God, we should run to him. And that's bold. It's like literally... 
<laughs> sneaking out of the house as a teenager and then going to your father to say, hey, I snuck out of the house last night. Like, that's bold and humble. Going before the presence of a holy God after you've done wrong is bold. But when he's your father, he sees that boldness as humility. And it's from this place of humility and boldness that we are free to praise. We're free to give thanks for that extra dose of grace and that daily dose of mercy. But if we go to God always focused on sin, we spend a whole lot of time telling God how wretched we are, how sorry we are, how unworthy we are. And we think that's humility. No, that's self-centeredness. And it's sin consciousness. Should we confess our sins? Sure. Sure, do that. Doesn't hurt. Not telling you not to confess your sins, but you've already been forgiven for them. Past, present, and future sins. I heard a man of God say, if if Jesus has not already forgiven your future sins, then why even get saved? Like, he died before you sinned. So he had to die. I mean, he had to for, have already forgiven your sin then. So your past, present, and sin and future sins are already forgiven. And I'm not saying don't confess them because they're all, don't confess your sin because you're already forgiven. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we should spend more time focusing on his goodness and not ours. Focusing on his righteousness and not ours. Focusing on him and not ourselves. And this may actually be radical to some people. I realize that. And you may be thinking, nah, Rakita, if I do wrong, I need to tell God I'm sorry. Tell him. Do that. That's repentance. But repentance is more than just a I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. And God really isn't moved by your apology. He's moved by surrender. And when we surrender to his love, grace, and plan for our lives, then we start desiring what He's de what he desires. I'm not saying we become sinless. I'm just saying we sin less when we're focusing our attention on him and not ourselves. And that's the place, that place of victory over sin, victory over pride and self-centeredness. That place is where we praise from. That place is where we worship from. And so I just want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with this, with this um, idea that you can come boldly to God in humility because humility is going to help you find that grace. It's going to help going to help you get more and more and more and more grace. And what grace does is empower you to sin less. So you don't have to be so sin conscious every time you go to God. That's not effective prayer. That's not effective praise. That's not effective worship. We worship from a place of Christ consciousness. We praise from a place of Christ consciousness. And we pray from a place of Christ consciousness. Not focused on ourselves. Not focused on our sins. Not focused on, on our behavior. We focus on the one who can change our behavior. And that's Jesus Christ. So, I hope you're encouraged by this. I want you to really meditate on these scriptures. Really think about this. Really think about how you're going before God. And know that he loves you. He cares for you. All right? All right.
Let me pray for you. Jesus, first of all, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for loving us and for showing us in your word how deeply you care about us and how because of your care, we should cast our cares on you. While we humbly submit ourselves to you and to what you say about us, we boldly come before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace for our time of need. Thank you for pouring more and more grace on us as we humble ourselves more and more to your plan and to the truth of your word. This week, Lord, help us to remember to focus our attention on your goodness and not ours. Help us to focus on your righteousness and not ours. We repent for being overly sin conscious and we change our minds, our hearts, and we change the direction we've been going in. We surrender to your love. We surrender to your grace and we surrender to your plan for our lives. And all of these things, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And now to those of you who are listening and you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Jesus comes so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. So I want you to repeat after me today. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive salvation now. Thank you for saving me. And just like that, welcome to the kingdom of God. Today's the first day of the best days of your new life in Christ. Earlier in this episode, I also spoke about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And I would be doing you a disservice if I did not allow you the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, verses 10 through 13, it reads, For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So today... 
I want to give you an opportunity to ask by faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And know this, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. We are a new creation by this born again experience. The nature of Christ is what we should expect to begin to see, which is the fruit of the Spirit. This is separate from salvation, though. And this baptism of the Holy Spirit is an entirely different experience. Now, you've probably heard of baptism in water, and that's basically a declaration, an outward declaration of our faith in Christ. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is referring to reproducing the ministry of Christ. It anoints us for the ministry of Christ. And we begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And so now we we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This baptism though does come with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But you have to respond to this gift by faith. So in the same way you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior by believing and confessing, we're going to do that today to receive the Holy Spirit in your heavenly language. So just repeat after me. Father, I recognize my need for your power to live this new life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. By faith, I receive now. Thank you for baptizing me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my life. And just like that, it's the same way you received salvation. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to speaking in tongues, I want to say to you that you will begin to hear in your spirit a language you may not recognize. And it'll come up from your heart to your mouth. And when you speak by faith, you are releasing God's power from within you. And you're building yourself up in the spirit. And you can do this as often as you'd like. Now, I am going to speak in my heavenly language for a little while. And like I said, I know this may catch a lot of you off guard. It is, you know, it has been such a taboo conversation for many, many churches. And there's there's nothing crazy about it. And, I, and I'm doing this by faith. I'm going to speak in tongues now by faith that what I am praying in the spirit um, is for you. Is for you. God, I thank you. I thank you that the person listening to this, the person receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith has gained their heavenly language. They they get to communicate with you on a deeper level. I thank you for that, Lord God. They get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to do what you've called them to do. So you guys, I really hope this helps you. And again, If you don't understand, if you need more details on it, 
I'm more than willing to talk to you about it, to help you understand, to go through the scriptures with you. But this gift of speaking in tongues, this gift of the Holy Spirit is available to you. Receive that gift by faith today. If today's episode was a blessing to you, or if you received Jesus into your heart, there are a few ways you can let me know so I and other listeners can celebrate with you. Number one, subscribe and leave a review. Number two, send me a private message on the Be Unconventional Instagram and Facebook socials. Or you can email me at rakitaharper at gmail.com. Number three, leave what I would like to call a victory voicemail by simply using the link in the bio of the Be Unconventional socials on Instagram and Facebook. Your voicemail may end up on an episode. And lastly, share with others. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, reminding you to be encouraged, be empowered, be inspired, but most importantly, be unconventional. <laughs>